ever thrown you the curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who've been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy Podcast. Well, hello everyone, Michelle Slaney Travato here, and I wanted to take a minute to thank you for joining us on the Living Your Legacy show. I am so excited today to be able to talk to you about a subject area that actually I grew to love in my professional life as a teacher. But we're going to talk about it, how this relates to legacy, because it's an area that so many of us don't feel we're good enough in. Now, there's lots of things that we feel we're not good enough in, but this one in particular holds people back a lot. But before I tell you all about it, I want to tell you who we've got on the call today. So I would like to introduce you to my friend, Lorraine Connell. Lorraine is the owner of Peers Not Fears, LLC, and a veteran educator of over 20 years. The first time she told me that, she just owned a piece of my heart right there. As an educational coach and consultant, she has developed curricula for teens and educators on leadership and empathy. And oh my goodness, can the world use more of both of those combined today? She collaborates with others to provide coaching to educators and students everywhere through her company, Peers Not Fears, LLC. Lorraine hosts the podcast, Education Unimagined, given a voice to students that are often silenced by the system. And I definitely want to dig into that and find out what that is. Her work spans the impact of understanding how and where our biases come into play to develop strong communities. Once again, totally a timely topic, and I want to look at that. In 2022, Lorraine left her full-time chemistry teaching job to work with interested schools, families, and communities to build more equitable access and empowerment of students. So powerful, and I want to I want to pull that one apart and look at that too. When she is not working with others on developing leadership skills, she is supporting her own two boys in all their adventures. Lorraine and her husband, Justin, are both educators and work to improve and develop their and others' social and emotional learning. Lorraine, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Me too. I feel like, you know, after listening to that bio, there is so much to talk about. (laughs) There is. Um, And even after the conversation we had before we jumped on the recording, there's so many things to talk about. And and I really want to dig into that. Um, so let's start with this question and then I'm going to circle around to all the amazing things that are in your bio and how this is useful to people today. But here's my question. Cause you know, I start with this one when you were in grade four 
and the teacher asked what you wanted to be, a coach and a consultant maybe have been may have been on the list, but around educational leadership probably was not. So tell us, what did you want to be? And did you do that? So I have really done some digging about like, where was I when this all came about for me? And I honestly believe that in fourth grade, I knew I wanted to save the world. But then like, you know, the 90s came out and I was like, okay, so reduce, reuse, recycle. I'm going to go save the earth. And, um, you know, and, and it didn't work out that way. I was kind of on the opposite end. I was helping big companies solve their environmental problems instead of preventing them. And, um, and I found myself kind of conflicted with my morals. And so I decided it was not just a, like a whim decision, but it kind of was Mm -hmm. that I was just going to go teach. And it is honestly, because I had two really incredible chemistry teachers, one in high school and one in college who just inspired me to love the subject. And I would not claim that I am a expert in chemistry, but I am an expert in helping my students see the ability to do hard things, Mm -hmm. which is where I think my leadership journey started with students. And then I was offered an opportunity to work with student leaders. And um, two really important things happened to me during that time. Number one, I penalized a student who had made a mistake. And I saw the ripple effect of not allowing that student to recover from that mistake. And I saw students who made mistakes not see themselves as leaders. And so I saw this really big gap. And I tried to close the gap in Mm -hmm. the school that I was working at. Mm -hmm. But that was met with a lot of resistance because as schools, we really do want our role models to be our student leaders so that students have something to look up to. Mm -hmm. The impact on other students who make mistakes can be really devastating. So I knew that that gap was immense. And I knew that where I was in school at that time wasn't the place for me to solve that problem. And so I left in 22 to kind of go out on my own and and debunk the myths about leadership that I truly believed up until about two years ago in my own journey of leadership. Okay. There was a lot there and I'm really excited to start like getting my hands into this and looking at it. So how about if we start out with talking about what were the myths that you believed about leadership? Because I'll bet if you believe them, there's a bunch of other people who are listening to this who may have either believed them or still believe them themselves. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are some of the myths? Yeah. So there are three myths that I have come to decide have held me back as a leader. And in this work, I sort of survey students that I work with. And I find that about 90% of us, Mm -hmm. like, let me repeat that 90% of us do not see ourselves as leaders. That's true. Young adults, 
and as old adults. And like I said, you know, 45 years of my entire life, there was no way I was a leader because I believe that leaders were perfect. And I knew, maybe you didn't know, but I knew that I made mistakes. I really did my best to hide them, Mm -hmm. but I knew, I believed in my heart that if I just worked hard enough, if I just did things a little bit better, I could be perfect. And until I could be perfect, I couldn't be a leader. So Mm. I couldn't, right? So I think there's a lot of people who believe that. And I think that's also partially why we tear apart our leaders when we see them making mistakes. Leaders are supposed to be perfect at all times, in every situation and in every way. Yeah. And that goes back to that one of one of those students that I penalized. That student made a mistake. And as a 17 year old student. I didn't allow them the opportunity to recover from that mistake. Mm-hmm. And so they left thinking that they started out thinking they were a leader and they left feeling like a failure. Mm. And 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 so that myth of leaders being perfect, I taught that student essentially do not get caught do not let anybody know that you're making mistakes mm-hmm. and I'm telling other students If you make a mistake, you're certainly not going to be a leader because look at what happened to that kid that you thought was so amazing until they made a mistake that they got caught with. Mm -hmm. So that's myth number one. And yes, us believing that we can potentially get to perfection holds us back in so many ways, but especially at thinking that we could be leaders. I also, just before you jump into myth number two, I also think Like perfection is really not attainable. Human beings, we're flawed. We make mistakes. We flub our words. Oh my gosh. I don't think there's been an episode where I didn't flub a word of this podcast, right? We say things off the top of our head without thinking it through. We can be impulsive and do and say things that later we're like, oh, if I could just turn back time, I would have taken that all back. But yet We feel like perfection is the thing we should be striving for. And we do all kinds of terrible things to ourselves in the process, not to mention what we say to ourselves in our heads. Oh my gosh. Right. About not being perfect. And the reality is none of us is. There is no perfect human being, right? There's nobody who actually has a perfect body or has a perfect, perfect hair or has the perfect life. You know, we've created all these false things to like make people think we do like we airbrush the pictures and we airbrush out the extra little line somewhere or we make people seem thinner and curvier than they are or more muscular and bigger and tougher looking than they are. Um, We have multimedia that you know, the opportunity to recreate a video multiple times until you can present the perfect picture of yourself out to the world. And the reality is it's not perfect if you have to, you know, recreate it or spend all these hours doing it. And yet we still are out there trying to do something we can't do. Well, it's no wonder that people look at that and think, well, I can't, I can't be that. I can't do that. I that's not me. And then they just give up trying. So I totally see what you're talking about there. 
Yeah. And there's so much to unpack even in that, you know, it's like, you're okay. It's okay if you're not perfect, but I have to be perfect. And so there's so many perfectionism is just like one of those major, major challenges. But I think even more so, I think the myth that leaders have a title is the other one that holds us back. So I have been a mom for almost 16 years. I was a teacher for 20 years. I was a coach. I was an advisor. How is any of those roles not a leader? But I wasn't. I wasn't a leader. Even though I did all of those roles where I was directing people to do things and I was guiding them, I was making decisions. But because I didn't have science department coordinator or assistant principal or principal, I I wasn't a leader in my mind. And I think I know there are there is a scarcity in leadership titles. Mm -hmm. There is an abundance in leadership, but there is a scarcity in titles. And if I believe that I need a title to be a leader, then I'm not going to see myself as a leader. And I'm not going to make decisions the way I would if I saw myself as a leader. Like thinking of titles that are available in schools for kids to quote unquote have a leadership title, right? Student council president, mm -hmm. captain, uh, first chair in an orchestra or band. Like there, there's limited opportunities for a title. And when we believe the myth that you need a title to be a leader, many of our students, that's where the 90% come in, mm -hmm. will never believe that they're a leader if they need a title. Well, you know, I think that's also, you can extrapolate that out to the larger world too. There is only one CEO in a company or one CFO or one COO or any other letters of the alphabet you want to put together to make an acronym for a title. Um, and that, but they are so few in those positions. And yet the workforce is so big compared to those few positions that it is really easy for people to feel disempowered or disenfranchised. Like I don't have a title, therefore I'm not a leader. I'll just punch the clock, do whatever. But the reality is there is so much more opportunity for leadership where you are at, even mm -hmm. without the title. But you're right. Society as a whole has said the title equals leadership. However, here's another interesting little twist on that one. How many times, and we've all had this experience, have you had someone who has a title and is so not a good leader? Mm -hmm. They've got the title, but maybe it's a power trip thing and they're very you know, power hungry, or they're so afraid of mistakes that they micromanage everybody. And so like everybody's, oh, I just can't stand this person. When they come, I'm like so nervous and stressed because everything I do is not ever going to be good enough. And they, fe they feel disempowered and disenfranchised because of that. Or it's somebody who interviewed well, but really doesn't have the prerequisite people skills to be a good leader. Right? So you're absolutely right. If we identify leadership as a title only, we're kind of doing this all the wrong way. Very much so. Very mm -hmm. much. So. so what's the third myth? 
The third myth comes back into the idea that you can develop skills, right? So the myth is that leaders are born as leaders. But I will counter that with how many people who are playing basketball were born with those skills? Very few, right? So many of us are developing athletics and it is okay to see that growth. So many people are developing in characteristics, but when it comes to leadership, we don't know that that is a skill that we we are developing, whether we know it or not, we are developing those skills as people, right? Every time I have a conflict with somebody and I learn how to navigate a conflict better, that's a leadership skill. Having a conversation, just listening and and developing, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, I can delegate and organize and orchestrate a project you don't have to do that to develop leadership skills. And so that myth is the one that I at Peers Not Fears am really trying to manufacture and change the that idea behind. So Michael Jordan, that's the story that's popping into my head as you're talking <laughs> about this. Michael Jordan, who, you know, we all know this guy, he's super famous for basketball, was cut from his basketball team in high school for not being good enough. And again, we look at him and say, oh, superstar leader in basketball. But he credits that cut for being the beginning of his leadership journey because he had two decisions in front of him. I either quit and I walk away or I stand up and say, all right, I want more. I think I'm capable of more. What do I need to do to do it? And he chose the second one. He chose to go back to the coach and say, okay, I'm off the team, but what extra things can I do? And he did all kinds of extra things and extra practices and sat on the bench and was the water boy and did all the things that were not perfect, right? Mm -hmm. To gain the experience. And over time, he got better and better and better until he became one of the best in the world. You're right. This idea that some people have we call it sort of natural abilities or talents, and they have a certain lean in a particular direction. For example, chemistry, for me, <laughs> not my idea of a great time, but it was your jam, right? You might have been really interested. Maybe you had some aptitudes in the sciences that this just was a good fit for you. And everybody's got them. Everybody's got them. I am not particularly athletic. I have a son who is. I'm like, that's amazing, right? That's a, an area that he excels in and feels so good about himself in. And that's awesome. But could I become good at athletics? Sure. If I put in the time and the effort, right? And by putting in the time and the effort that is growing your skill set, which if you take it from that perspective as a physical thing, I'm in control of my body. And if I exercise my body and I eat right and I sleep well, I can make my body stronger and better and I can excel in this area. And yet we don't extrapolate that over into leadership. You're either born a leader or you're not. So you're either going to get the title and I'm, I'm going to lump all the myths in together. I'm, you're going to get the title and you know, you're going to be the leader because you were born that way. And there are a lot of people who believe that for sure. So 
what do we do about this? What are some tips? Because you talked about the fact that you saw this all yourself, that you didn't have a title other than like teacher or mom. So you didn't have a principalship or a fancy title after your name to declare yourself as a leader. And, you know, you looked at your students and you saw the same stuff in them that you were feeling in yourself. So how about if we start by defining some leadership skills and we'll phrase them as leadership skills because a skill is something that can be grown for sure. So what are some leadership skills that people who are leaders would use? Well, I actually want to even break it down a little bit. Sure. Because when I ask you and five other people to define leadership, you five are going to have slightly different answers. Mm -hmm. So because we all define it differently, it's really hard to know what it is. And if I ask you what you think the basic requirement of being a leader is, you and five people, again, I'm going to get five different answers. Mm -hmm. So what I like to start with is knowing what that basic requirement is. The basic requirement is that you can make a decision. And we make 30,000 decisions a day as human beings. So we're already doing the basic requirement. Now, what you need to... Once you know that de making decisions is the only requirement, now what do I do with that information? Okay, so decisions are are sort of quantified as good, bad, right, wrong. But you also need to know that whether you make the wrong decision or the bad decision, you're still learning something from that. Is it taking you the direction you want to go? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, then that is what a bad decision is. It's not, I love to say this to kids, like if you didn't get out of bed this morning, some might tell you that that was the wrong decision or the bad decision, but every decision has a cost and a benefit. The cost, maybe you didn't get to eat breakfast on time and you went to school and you were hungry all day and it really affected everything. The benefit was you slept in. Which of those costs and benefits were more important than the other. And I am the only one that can make that decision. So now that I've known that, and I know that that my decision-making is leading me in a direction, now maybe I'm looking at my decisions a little bit differently and I'm taking myself in a direction or I'm realizing, hey, that wasn't such a great decision and I'm learning from that mistake. And so I'm, I'm building that skill. I'm not afraid of making a mistake. And maybe I realize that, okay, if I'm a leader and I made a mistake, I can't be perfect. If I can't be perfect, I'm learning from my mistakes. That's a good thing, right? And I think in schools, we also have this challenge of the hundred being perfect. And when, you know, my school that I was teaching at, we went to standards and teachers really had a hard time giving that top score, whether, you know, it's the letter A or a four, if the assignment wasn't done perfectly. And I mean, those words were used. How can I give a hundred or what I used to give as a hundred from a perfect paper, a four or an A when there are mistakes. And so I think 
if we as educators are in this belief that perfection is possible by presenting grades that are attainable as perfection, then we're we're setting our kids, our students, ourselves up for this challenge of not being able to make mistakes. And I think you asked me about skills. I think the first skill that we all have to start learning is how to be okay with making mistakes Mm -hmm. and how to see mistakes as a good thing. And I think until we can really start to embrace that mistakes are where we learn, mistakes are how we grow, it's just really hard to develop any other skill from that set. You know, I think of that basketball, right? If I'm not making mistakes in my free throw, I'm not, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. I've already mastered that. Why would I keep doing something I've mastered? I'm going to move on to something that I haven't mastered. And that would happen in my classroom all the time. Students would be like, I didn't get an A or I didn't get the perfect score on that. And I was like, then you shouldn't be in this class. Like if you're not, if you're getting the perfect score, you're not, this isn't going to challenge you. I want you to struggle because that's what you need to do in order to grow. And if you're not struggling, you're not growing. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. And I would add to that, um, in addition to learning to being okay with making mistakes, and trust me, I make them all the time. I think another key piece in leadership is learning to um, own and wear your mistakes. So not only do I know I've made it, but I'm not pretending to the world I didn't. I'm not blaming somebody else. I'm Mm. not throwing someone under the bus. I'm not saying the dog ate my homework. I'm not, I'm not really pushing it out that so that it's not me. I am saying I did this or I said that it was wrong. And I am very sorry for that. I will do better. That's true leadership. We've seen too many examples in the world of world level leaders who have been caught (laughs) in the lies, in the mistakes, the lies to cover up the mistakes, right? And, and never taking ownership of it. And that's the part I think that becomes really disappointing as a public, because the facts as they're laid out before us indicate that this person was very wrong. And they're not even owning it. They're not, they're not taking responsibility or being accountable for that. And the reality is there's a lot of fear around, well, I might be sued. I might be this. I might be that. I'll lose my job. Um, But the truth of the matter is skilled leaders Mm -hmm. who actually recognize are okay with the fact they make mistakes, recognize the mistakes, work to repair anything that's come out of that mistake, if there was anything, I mean, it might just have been a typo on a letter. That's not a big deal, but you know, if you make a decision and it negatively impacts some other people and that wasn't the intention of the decision, then the leaders who own that stuff, they aren't in the media because there's nothing sensational about it. That what they're doing, they own it, they wear it, they function forward, they work, strive hard to be better. And people respect them for it. 
they don't make it into the news like, oh, so-and-so made this mistake and it impacted these people. And they said they were sorry and they paid for it. Does it, it doesn't just, it doesn't even go on the news because people are like, not a cool story. I, it's nothing going to make the audience gasp or any of this business. So you're right. Learning to accept that mistakes happen, being okay, that, you know, as much as you try not to make a mistake, they happen. And so you work your way through it. You learn from it. As you said, you grow and you strive to do better. So you don't spend all your time forever in the free throws because the free throws are, um, are your easy, you know, it's your meal ticket. It's easy. Like it's so easy. I could do it in my sleep. Just kaboosh, 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 done. Right. Like, okay. But so many people just want to stay there because that's the easy thing. The other stuff is hard and it does require you to struggle. It requires you to make mistakes. Sometimes they're very public and you need to be like, so sorry that that was wrong. I will endeavor to not do that again and I will do make better choices. And then you file that away under must remember not to do that again. You have learned and you've grown a new set of skills that might give you pause for thought before the next mistake happens where you're like, hmm, last time I did something like that, this fell apart. Maybe I should think and see if there's some other options out there so that things don't fall apart the same way again. Exactly, exactly. I don't think that that could be stated strongly enough to hold yourself accountable for the mistakes that you've made. And, you know, I go back to that student that I talked about at the very beginning I taught her to hide mistakes because when you hold yourself accountable in that scenario, you couldn't recover from a mistake. And, and I often will tell students that if you know a leader who admits a teacher, a coach, an advisor, a friend, a student council president who says that they have made a mistake, not the, I made mistakes when I was your age. Like that's not the same kind of admission, Mm -hmm. but, but owning, wow. I didn't think that that decision would have such an impact. I didn't think it through. Those are the leaders. You're right. Those are the most incredible leaders out there. Mm -hmm. And I bet that most of them don't consider themselves a leader. Yep. Circles right back to all the stuff you were talking about. So that's, that's pretty interesting. So let's talk another skill. What's another leadership skill that you think people don't consider as part of leadership? Communication. You know, I, I will say that when communication is bad, that's when we know what an important leadership skill that is. Mm -hmm. If you've been led by um, somebody who is a poor communicator and hasn't figured out a way to delegate that to somebody who is a good communicator, that skill can be really a challenge for the group to to recover from. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that also led me to the, I, the skill of delegation that when we believe that leaders are perfect, delegation is the biggest risk you can take. Because if I let control go and I give you a task 
This is why group work is often one of the biggest challenges for kids Mm -hmm. is because if I take on that group leadership role, man, it's fallen all on me. And the, the rest of my group, they're just slackers, right? So I've already decided Mm-hmm. as the leader of that group, that the rest of my group is incapable of doing the perfect job for me. And so I can't delegate to them because that means I have to lose control and I don't know what they're going to do. And and I've been on the other side where a group leader hasn't given me anything to do and I was seen as lazy, you know? So it's it comes in both situations. My favorite part, and and maybe this is also something that I can really, to as a mom is that I don't delegate and then I'm doing everything myself and I'm resentful for everybody who's not helping me, Mm -hmm. you know, and, but I didn't give them the opportunity to help me. I didn't give them the opportunity to work towards the project. And so we often forget that there's two sides of that coin being the group leader is great. You've got that title, but if you're not going to delegate to your team members, then you're not going to achieve at the level that you could, which is beyond the perfect that you think you can do all by yourself. Mm -hmm. You said so many things there that I am just, I was nodding like crazy because it's so, it's so true. you for being a part of the living your legacy podcast community in 2022 we can honestly say 2023 is going to be an exciting year we've got some new things going on that we'd like to share with you the living your legacy podcast is now offering advertising spots we found many entrepreneurs spent lots of money on advertising last year only to find that they weren't falling in front of their ideal audience we'd love to help you get your message out let's discuss this Click the link in the show notes to book a time to chat and see if this could be a good fit for you. So let's start with this idea of teamwork. The reality is that most of the jobs in the world today and coming are around people working in teams, working together. But if we do not have the skill sets to be able to work together with other people, we're going to have problems. And when I was teaching school, one of the things that I always wanted my students to do was to, first of all, acknowledge what they were really good at. There were some kids who were excellent artists. I mean, drew the most beautiful things and I can barely draw stick people right. 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 So I thought that's amazing. But Sometimes they didn't want to speak to anybody because public speaking wasn't their thing. I'm like, oh, well, I can talk to anyone. So if you can draw the pictures, I will happily hold them up and talk about them. Now we have a win because they're working in an area that's a strength for them. I'm working in an area that's a strength for me. And if we start looking for the strengths in others versus this whole idea that, and that's a thought for leaders too, that my job is to pick apart all the things you're not good at. And focus on all those things. No, that's actually very poor leadership. Good leaders look for what you're good at. Where's a good place for you? How would you fit into this where you shine, where you are willing to take a little bit of extra risks because 
you already have some skills in this area. So maybe I can challenge you to take it to the next level. Right. And so I can say, okay, you're really good at that. What I need is this. Do you think you could stretch a little and, and have a go at this part of this thing for me? And what happens when you approach people from that light? First of all, everybody likes a compliment. We all do. Now, I genuine, not a, a false compliment, mm-hmm. right? Not disingenuity, disingenuity. Okay, I see there's the word I flubbed today. Not being disingenuous, being, um, you know, real. This is a skill you have, and I admire that. It's not one of my strengths. But I think we could work together if we pool our strengths. Now we have the ability to shine both of us, not one over the other, both. So that's the first thing. And then you're right, communication. How do we handle when things don't go right? As things don't go right, that's for sure. Something goes sideways. Somebody doesn't show up. They say they're going to have something done by a date. It's not done. Things happen, right? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a snowstorm and the world closes down covid And the world shuts down and everything you knew is now gone out the window. We got to figure out something else. So, you know, we have to be able to handle those situations, Uh, but handling them from the perspective of, I feel that I'm right, but everybody else is wrong does not bring out the best in people. And if you've been on the receiving end of those conversations, and I think most of us have, you realize that this, it does not make you think, gosh, I really like that person and I want to work with them more. No, you feel defensive and angry and, and like you have to justify everything. And it just ends up in such conflict that it's sometimes there's just no way out of it. Right. And then delegation. You're absolutely right. This fear of losing control. If it's not done the way I want it done, it's not good enough. And that's, that's a problem. And I see that too, as a mom, when I have said to my kids, I'd like you to make your beds in my mind at out of the gate, they were going to make their beds like I do. And they didn't. And the first few times I went in behind them and changed it all. And was like you said, I was like, grumble, grumble, grumble. But the reality is, does it have to be the way I would do it? If they're happy with the end result? If they're like, they can still unmake the bed and get in it. It doesn't really need to be this difficult, right? Does it have to be exactly the way I want? And what I learned, and especially in student leadership, is that when I took the risk and I told my students, I am taking a risk by giving you control. What happened was they wowed me. They rose to the occasion and they wowed me. They came up with ideas I would never have thought of, not my own. Like amazing ideas. Like, oh my gosh, I would, seriously, that is about as far away from what I was thinking is possible. And it's amazing, right? So I had a chance to learn and grow myself because they thought of things I hadn't thought of, or they did things in a very different way that sometimes confused me completely. I'm like, I do not know how you got here. Can you guys like, Take 15 steps back. Talk to me like I'm four. Walk me through this. And then I was like, oh, that is so cool. I could be doing that. (laughs) Right? So things along those lines where all of a sudden it became a give and take versus a tell be told situation. 
So I love that. And I love all the ideas that, and you're right, we could do a podcast episode on literally (laughs) each one of these on its own separately, uh, because it's pretty incredible. But let's circle back to the beginning. How can somebody, if they've never seen themselves as a leader, if this is the first time they're hearing these definitions and this idea of what leadership could be, what would you suggest to them? about how they could start to see themselves as a leader? What are some things they could ask themselves? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is where have I made a mistake today and what did I learn? And I can't emphasize that enough is when you start to break that down. Also, we talked a little bit earlier about that voice in our head. And I wish somebody had told me when I was 17 years old or younger, that's me. That's me talking to me. And I can choose to say nice things to myself or I can be really mean, which is uh, like, again, I, I only more recently realized that I could change the voice that was talking to me in my head. And Mm -hmm. it is my voice and my choice of what I say. And so when you are listening to that voice in your head, mm-hmm. asking that voice, is this nice? Would I say this to a friend? And I mean, like, I, I think probably my therapist has asked me that a million times. Would you say that to a friend? And the answer is always no. Mm-hmm. So why is the person in my head the meanest person I have ever met? I would never hang out with that person. And yet I've allowed them to be in my head all day, every day for 45 years. <laughs> You're not the only one. No. And that's, and that's the thing that I wish my, my teenage self knew. And so where's the mistake that I've made today? What did I learn or what could I have learned? Um, and how is my voice helping or hurting me right now? Um, and then just really looking at places and opportunities. I encourage my, the students, the teens that work with me, leadership is not what you think it is. Here's an activity. Observe how you engage with other people every day. Like when you encounter somebody, if you're on Zoom or you're walking down the street, what do you say to these people? Probably if you do enough observation, you will see that you say the same thing every time. And how do you respond when people ask you those questions? you probably will notice you respond the same way every time. So a leader might observe that and say, okay, what can I change? And they might make a change. They might do it once. They might forget. But the leader who says, oh, you know, I tried that. It didn't work for me. Do I want to try again? That's the leadership. And and there's no title there. There's no imperfection, perfection. It's just trying something that maybe makes you a teeny weeny bit uncomfortable. And if you feel that discomfort, you're learning something. And if you're learning something, you're leading yourself in a direction and you are doing leadership work. Mm -hmm. Oh, again, speaking right into my heart. And I would also like to add to that, that if you're looking at people who really seem to be strong, good leaders, 
we all have people in the world that we would pick and say, that person, that's a really good leader. Recognize they didn't wake up one day that way. Mm-mm. That this came over years of practice of doing exactly what you suggested, watching situations, watching people responding to them, thinking carefully about their words, learning to listen effectively, not listen to respond or react, but actually listening to what somebody is saying to to question, not question as in I am questioning whether you are sane, but I'm not sure I understand that. Could you tell me more? Or when you use this word, this is what I understand that word to mean. Is that what you meant? Right? Because recognizing that although we speak the same language, sometimes we don't speak the same language. And, you know, those people who are really skilled, good leaders in the world have practiced their craft for a really long time. They didn't just wake up one one day. They were different from the the day before completely and were magically endowed with these skills. These are things they worked on. And if you had a chance to connect with them, they would tell you that. Yeah, I worked on it. Yeah, I failed. Yeah, I made mistakes. Yeah, those mistakes made me, I had to pay something for them, whether that's I had to pay a fine or I had to, you know, I lost a job. Like there was a consequence there that made me stop and think about what I was doing so that maybe I wouldn't have that consequence another time and I could do better. They will tell you all those things. But we get into this comparitis. I look at them and think they're so amazing. I am not that. Therefore, I could never be that. Now, I don't know why we do that to ourselves because it's so not true. Each and every one of you can, in fact, do and be these incredible things. So let's talk about this as it has to do with legacy. And Mm. again, I don't know what people's legacy visions and dreams are. It could be really anything, but I would love to pour into people some positive thoughts on this. So here's the first one I want to, I want to ask you, what is one tip that you would give someone if they're, if they've got a legacy vision in mind, it's the the, the dream, the voice that just won't leave you alone, that says you, you are called to do this thing, whatever it is, that's an amazing, positive thing in the world, and you don't see yourself as a leader, what are some tips that we can help those people grow into and live into their legacies? I think the biggest tip that I can say is take that first step and make a mistake and learn and grow and then take another step. The hardest thing to do is take that first step. That is mm-hmm. the hardest thing because taking that step means you've started and starting is scary. You don't know where you're going. You don't know how you're going to get there. And all of these unknowns are there. The hardest thing to do is take that first step. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be a big step. And that's, I mean, that's the thing that you don't know until you take that first step is that that was the hardest thing that actually Mm -hmm. wasn't that hard. Mm -hmm. And then the next step, maybe it's a little bigger step. I often use the, um, the visual of a donut. 
So your comfort zone, what you're comfortable with is the whole of the donut and the outside of the donut is your panic zone where you are in fight, flight, or freeze. You don't have to take a whole bite of the donut. (laughs) You could just take a nibble, just a teeny tiny nibble and decide if you like the donut or not. (laughs) You know, it's, it's this belief that I've got to take a whole bite. I've got to do the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I know I've heard other people say, just take that first step. Maybe you'll hear it a little bit differently this time, because I know I heard it a million times before I took that first step. Mm -hmm. I remember the moment when I knew I couldn't teach the way I wanted to teach anymore. And the heartbreak I felt at thinking, I couldn't be anything else. There was nothing else I was good at. Nobody else would hire me. I had nothing else to offer. I remember feeling that low, low, low feeling. And taking the first step was so hard because I had brought myself so far down. Mm -hmm. But I did it. And I look back at that first step and that was nothing compared to what I'm doing right now as an entrepreneur, there's so much I'm doing as like, I'm really taking big bites out of that donut. But I was so afraid. Mm -hmm. I wasn't perfect. I didn't have a title. I wasn't born with any skills that were leadership. How could I, how could I take that first step? I am pretty sure there's going to be a whole bunch of people out there like, girl, you were talking right to me. This is how I feel too. And I mean, again, we talk about that first step. Let's define that a little further. The first step could be picking up the phone to make a phone call to ask a question. Like literally, I don't, I don't know if this thing is what I want to do or if you're the people I want to work with. So I'm going to pick up my phone and I'm going to call and say, I have a couple of questions for you. Would you mind? Almost everybody is going to say yes. And if they say no, they're not the people you want to work with anyway. Hang up and lesson learned. Yeah. And the first step step could just simply be writing out your idea. Yep. That's really easy. And writing it down on a piece of paper. But putting it on a piece of paper, Michelle, means it's real. And Mm. so I'm just going to keep it up here because it's safe up here. And I don't have to like, put it down on paper and make it real. So really the first step can be as simple as taking my idea from my brain, which is warm and fuzzy and safe and putting it on a piece of paper and seeing it on paper. Except you got that mean girl in your head and she's beating the snot out of she's your idea. No, no. no. Yes, so yes. put it on a piece of paper. She can't reach it there. Yeah, <laughs> She yeah. just can't. And so looking at it from that perspective, The reality is, folks, if you are considering a legacy, if you are started, if you started and stopped, if you life circumstances got in the way, if you needed to pivot, if all of those things, you are exerting leadership in your own life by taking action steps, by saying, I'm not sure, but here I go. And you put one foot in front of the other and you keep taking steps until. Um, until you decide either it's done, I'm good, we've solved this, I'm good, or 
maybe this isn't what I wanted. Or maybe you get part way and discover, oh, my vision is not lining up with reality. Maybe I need to switch gears or move on to a different path or adjust things slightly. Those are all leadership skills. That is what leaders do on the regular. And all those skills that we've talked about today, all those myths, if you dispel them in your own life, you would discover that in the 30,000 decisions you make in the run of a day, you actually are a leader in your own life every day. And so you can take that and expand that into the creation of whatever legacy you've got in your head that you might like to you know, share with the world that you're called to go and complete. There's something very powerful in that. And, you know, recognizing that you don't need a title to be the leader. There are an awful lot of leaders in the world that don't have an official title. And I would urge you to go look for them. You know them in your workplace. It's the person you can go speak to when you have a problem and they will listen and offer you wise advice or direction on where to go. That's a leader. It's, you know, the person who, um, you know, the garbage guy who goes that extra step and instead of tossing the garbage bins everywhere, lays them nice and neatly at the bottom of your driveway. That's a leader. Like, that's a leader in that um, your job. Dad, your parents, yeah. if you are a parent, you already you- are a leader. <laughs> 100%. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you have some of the worst followers in the world because they never want to do anything you want them to do. <laughs> They let you make a lot of mistakes. Yes, they do. They definitely give you that ability for sure. So Lorraine, I am sure that there are going to be people in our audience who are like, I need more of that woman. I need more of what she's saying. I need to explore this some more. I need to hear more. Or there are parents out there who are thinking to themselves, I need to put this woman in front of my child. Yeah. We all want to see our children shine. We want them to see see them become the best version of themselves they can possibly be. We want them to know how to handle conflict and struggle, not physical conflict. I'm talking about emotional internal conflict. Like I've had a fight with my friend and I don't know what to do. Or, you know, the teacher said something and I think it was mean. Which maybe it was mean, maybe it wasn't. There is an interplay of two parties in this one, right? Or we want them to know what their strengths and gifts are so that they can look for career paths and opportunities that are in alignment with what they're good at and what they love to do. Maybe there are parents out there who are like, I need more of her so that I can talk to my child differently. Or maybe we can put something together. How can those amazing people reach out to you? I love the idea that I can connect with people on any of these challenges. So I would start with going to my website. It is peers-not-fears.com. And uh, on Instagram and Facebook, I am peers-not-fears. And on LinkedIn, I am Lorraine Connell. So I think it is really, really important for us to see our young adults and and empower them to see themselves as leaders as young as we can, because they will grow up to be us as 45 years old people. That's a little scary of a thought right there. They will grow I up know. to be us. Oh. But <laughs> if we don't help them see themselves as leaders now, then they won't they won't grow into leadership that they could potentially be. And I think of myself, if I had known these things when I was 17 years old, 
what would I have accomplished? What would I have not been afraid to do that I spent so much time being fearful? And so, yeah, I get me in front of these young adults and tell them you are a leader already. I love that. Um, Lorraine, I am so grateful for our conversation today. I would like to have you back on another episode another time because I do think there's so much to this that we can just fixate on one particular piece of this and extrapolate things and, and share some lessons from that. But for today, thank you very much for being a part of this call, for sharing with us your wisdom on leadership. The world really does need more positive powerful leaders today than ever before. And we have the ability right now to start becoming the leaders the world needs. So thank you for sharing that. That's so powerful for sure. I'm so appreciative of your wisdom and your time today. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk with your listeners and to, I hope, change one or two of them to say, you know what? I am a leader and I'm going to start making decisions as a leader, go get them. Oh, I love that. And for the audience, don't forget that we think you are absolutely awesome. Go start living your legacy today. Does the thought of follow-up give you a foul taste? Do you find yourself wondering how you can ever stand out from the crowd, but need it to be easy and convenient? With a system like Send Out Cards, you can stay in touch and top of mind with only a few keystrokes. People's inboxes might be full, but their mailboxes are empty. Reach people literally where they live, work, or play, and watch the warm fuzzies go to work for you. See the show notes for a link where you can send your first card on me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.